Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special, I almost feel like I have to say three varies because everything, I say everything's special, but a truly special episode of Locked On Seminoles. We are joined by an honored guest, Ingram Smith of the Knollcast. If you know Florida State, you know the Knollcast. Ingram, welcome. Thank you for being with us. How you doing over there? What's up, man? Yeah, always uh, appreciate the invite and happy to join you here in a uh, bye week and excited to talk a little uh, little Florida State football. Probably a little, little bit more positive tone that would have existed in our, our voice and eyes in uh, weeks prior. So uh, appreciate it's the crazy. invite and look forward to it. Absolutely, man. And it's just it's funny, actually, just like how how one game can have such a bearing on our moods week to week. Right. Like it's one more win. Right. But this is a very different tone than after Jacksonville State. I mean, that was that was horrible. And what we're going to do today is look, guys, we got a bye week in the middle of the season. So we're going to do kind of a half season review. We had Ingram on for the state of the FS union over the summer. Talk about where the team was. We're going to do that for where we are at the halfway point. So how much did that North Carolina win impact your feelings going into the bye week? Like, was it a total rinse from the Jacksonville State game? Or, you know, now that we've had a few days to chew on it, are you feeling a little like, okay, that was nice, but we're still still a two-win team? Yeah, so we, we certainly still are a two-win team. I think the level in which you – beat North Carolina. You didn't just beat them. Um, you really absolutely beat the hell out of them, um, which is certainly different than last year. Um, the, the the bigger thing that I have that I've, I've struggled with is kind of to figure out where North Carolina is exactly. I mean, they, they're, that's a strange, strange team. It is not a carbon copy of, uh, of what happened up in Chapel Hill last weekend, but the Georgia tech game was somewhat similar to that. I mean, Georgia tech, uh, they jump out on top of kind of convince themselves that this is going to be a, a fairly easy game and then really kind of get run out of the building. They periodically scored to cut it down to, you know, 11 or something like that. And whereas the difference in the Georgia tech and the Florida state games for North Carolina is Georgia tech kind of scored a late touchdown, which added to the score. UNC, you know, scored a late touchdown, which made the score look a little bit more respectable. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on exactly what they are as a program. And, and as such, uh, not getting too, too high over this, but it's certainly, you know, a validation of some of the things that you hear in a positive tone. When you, when you talk about there still being a decent infrastructure and foundation of a program, when the team's one and three, one and four, um, seeing a team come out and put in a, as thorough a performance like that. Um, and a team that really, I mean, look, to have all the transfers and uh, really the, all the transfers that you gotten over the last two years, seems like a team that really cares about each other. I mean, you know, they, they yeah. get excited for each other and they push each other. And uh, there's some, you know, the I think the foundation, the the guts of the project are are still in decent shape. It's just how, you know, how much did you how much did you F yourself with that Jacksonville State game? How much did you poison pill this what this recruiting class would be? Um, so you'll just have to see you know, how deep of a, of a trauma that is. And if you right. can kind of get back on board with the Nigel Lee Kelly's Jones juniors, all the, you know, absolute top of, of the, the wish list 
when it comes to recruiting. But uh, for a team that's two and four, I feel uh, kind of strangely optimistic uh, at the midway point here. Yeah, man. In the words of the great, you know, James Jimbo Fisher, we're the best four loss team in the country right now. So I'd, I'd bet that every day of the week. It, seriously, though, I think um, I, I think it's it's interesting to kind of look at the last three games and how that's such a microcosm of the now maybe overquoted, but no Bobby quote is ever overquoted. Right. You lose small, you win small, you win big. Like we literally did that in three games. Right. We fight hard against Louisville. They could what, what were they down? 30 to seven. They could have just said, OK, this is going to be another 52 to seven. We'll mail it in Syracuse. They eke out a win on a field goal, and it's like that stadium probably celebrated a bit too hard, but I like I haven't seen a celebration like that in years. Like you would have thought we had just won an <laughs> ACC championship. I mean, it was nuts. People were just so excited to see a win. And then we go to Chapel Hill and just beat on them. And you, you wonder, like, are you worried about going into the second half of the season, starting with UMass of like, having a relapse into that, okay, this is really a double buy and them not being fully ready to dive into what is a much meatier part of the schedule. I think having Clemson there helps. I mean, you've got a, despite what they've looked like this year, every person on that roster uh, knows what Clemson, the program is. And most of the roster knows what it's like to get their ass beat by Clemson. Um, So I think that helps to have kind of an attention uh, grabber there after another win, but I don't think, that uh, to quote previously, <clears throat> John James Fisher, as you said, is like, you remember that North Carolina game that they came back and like uh, ponder through a 97 yard pass to Rod yeah. Owens and all that stuff. And it's such a beautiful second half. And Fisher's like, you know, here it is. We don't ever go back. We do, This is the standard bubble. I don't think Florida State has found this, you know, permanent level that it's going to stay at. I, I think it's a nice positive trajectory and they'll ebb and flow some. And I I still like the overall trajectory of the program, but I don't think you've, I I don't think you found some panacea where you're going to, everything's been cured and you're in great shape and you're going to win five of your next seven games or something like that either. I think there's still some very legitimate flaws and tough spots on this roster. And um, all of this optimism is built around a kid who's, uh, who I have long thought was, was probably your best option, but is, you know, has some health issues and, and has yeah. some, has sustained some injuries in the past in Jordan. So uh, I don't want to get too far over my skis and wild optimism, but I, I like, you know, I like what you saw. And uh, again, it's all pinned on. So we'll just, we'll say yeah. UNC is a decent team and not an absolute train wreck. Um, Are you going to take much away from them against Miami or do you think UNC? I think you'll be able to find something. To, I mean, it okay. may be the battle of, who wants to quit less uh, in that game, you know? Um, but the, again, say, say UNC's decent. Let's just say that they win, they do win five of their next seven games or something like that. Um, the things that you were good at, absent the defensive line that you're going to have to address in the portal, but the things that you were good at, you can project it really being able to do next year. And maybe you add some really exciting ingredients. I mean, maybe you've got a, an offense that's able to lean on two really fun backs and offensive line that almost entirely returns. Um, and then tell me that you don't get excited about scheming up some shot plays for the kid from Louisiana, who I think will be back on campus eventually. And, and Travis Hunter and some of these other, you know, I mean, I think you can be pretty decent at, you know, on offense next year. Uh, Gibbons is a, if he chooses to use that extra year, Gibbons has been better than I thought he would have been, uh, 
obviously getting Smith back at center is a, a big deal. Uh, Bavion would, would move on, you know, RIP uh, Bavion and his 11 years in the program so far. (laughs) Yeah. I think he signed back in 13 or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you've got all the other pieces you love. I really love what Scott is and, and uh, what you got a left tackle. And I, I think there's a lot to be excited about if you can just, you know, put together whatever, I don't know, Max, is it, is it beaten UMass? Is it beaten some one of those other random clumping of teams and then Miami. I mean, I think Miami will be, if you can have Miami be your fifth win, that would be massive. And I think you could have as, as wild an environment as you could ever have for a four win team for that game. I mean, I think you got a fan base that's ready to end kind of a, a BS uh, loss streak over them and, and remind a program who had their little window that they did absolutely nothing with it. And now they'll have to go back and, and build back. Uh, so I think, you know, I do think you'll get a chance to have a lot more positive momentum and excitement for a program that's maybe wins four or five games than we ever could have imagined had that been the hypothetical at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I said yesterday, just this team, it's you're going to have to watch the games because this is a team that I think at the end of the year, no matter how they do, their record isn't going to be the best indicator of who they were, right? If they go out there and they win – five games, then yeah, the record will indicate, but they're not going to do that. Like, I think you're gonna have to watch the games and say, okay, does this team look like they're improving? I I also think they're, they need to get to enough wins and beating Miami would probably do this. I think beating North Carolina already does it where the coaching staff can feel comfortable going on the trail and taking the blame for Jacksonville state, right? If they scheme up one or two more good wins, then they can go and say, Hey, yeah, we screwed up. Should have called it differently, whatever. But Look at when we're actually coaching. Look how we did. Versus like, if you have two wins, you don't really want coaching staffs going to Travis Hunter and saying, yeah, uh, we have two wins and also we can't outcoach an FCS coach. So, I don't know. I think all the things. I do think that that helps. It's just a matter of how long, you know, you gave like uh, other programs four to five weeks of negative recruiting where really you couldn't say anything about it. So, again, uh, you know, how – how deep is that rot from the Jacksonville state game? How deep does that get into your, you know, your recruiting class and a kid it's like watching, uh, you know, I got one mom who's kind of a lefty artist and a dad who's a background in finance and is kind of, you know, as right as they come. And uh, you go and, and you watch what those people watch on television for 10 or 15 days straight. It's hard not to adapt some type of uh, political, you know, philosophy of based off, off whatever it may be. And my weird analogy here is, I mean, you let, you let 10 people call a kid a day and hit him with the same message. It doesn't matter what you tell him as Florida state. I mean, eventually those 10, 12, 14 other people, you know, it just starts to land. Uh, the message starts to sink. So uh, they pick up a, a win against UMass play Clemson in a more competitive manner than they have done in a long time. The problem is like, I don't of the I think you might have a better shot at beating Clemson than you do NC State. Uh, I just I don't agree. know that that's a great matchup for you. And I think, you know, they're going to be able to throw the ball and and well, kind of similar to what we thought with North Carolina. But I think they'll be able to throw the ball and and pick apart some of the real weak spots that you have. So, you know, can you get Miami and, and maybe a Boston College game that uh, is a is an interesting one? And then who knows what Florida looks like? So uh, I think there's a decent chance that you win three more games. And, and like I said, you're the most optimistic, optimistic and excited five-win team in the country, uh, which is yeah. a weird place to be if you're Florida State, but that's just kind of where you are right now. 
But yeah, I mean, considering where we were, I will, I will take that. And, you know, again, you have the, the thing to fall back on of look how we lost. We're a couple plays away from being a seven win team. Um, and yeah, I think, look, you, you beat UMass, you're at three wins and then you got five games and we'll, we'll steal from Bud. You know, he likes his expected value charts and, you know, you say you have a 40% chance to win five games. Well, that's two wins, right? And add one more in there. Maybe you steal one. I don't know. But I want to talk about mid-season MVPs in just a second. But first, I got to tell people about our friends at Sweatblock. Um, it's kind of a weird product, but it's actually my favorite. Sweatblock, as you all hear me talk about, if you're like me and you're kind of just a sweaty dude and you live in Florida and it's just hot all the time, get Sweatblock. There's really no other option. Um, Hit the shower on Sunday, use the wipes, you're good for a week. Not as like gross when you're walking around, you're not getting all sweaty. They've got creams if you're tired of, you know, your bathroom floor just covered in baby powder. You guys know what I'm talking about. I don't need to go into too much graphic detail here, but you get it, right? So go to sweatblock.com, uh, promo code locked on, and, you know, I don't know, go to, just, just do it. I don't have to convince you. You guys sweat, you hate sweating, sweatblock stops you from sweating. So yeah, I want I want to talk about now, I want to I want to go into a, a positive note because you know we try to find this balance and y'all are definitely. It was weird hearing how excited Bud was, by the way, the other week because he is, um, you know, we trust in him to be the anchor of our expectations. Uh, really, really hold us still in the wind that is that is flapping when, you know, we do something good. But we're also coming off a huge win, so I don't want to depress the people during a bye week. And let's talk about who are your offensive and defensive and in the trenches MVP of the first half of the season. And yeah, sure. Just can be offensive or defensive, just trench monster. I will say that we just kind of both agreed that there was a legitimate path to five wins. So I don't, I don't want to be labeled with too, too negative a light here, Max Mooney. That's fair. uh, That's fair. All right. MVP, obviously 11 is, uh, you know, 11 absent injury. And obviously all the conversation that we just had about getting five, wins is absent, you know, some kind of concentration of injuries or an injury to one of your, you know, one of your three or four best players. But um, in the trenches, number 11, no doubt. Um, I'll, I'll probably give it to Gibbons just because he's been out there. Although, you know, Scott, both your tackles have done really well. Uh, I'm not saying that yeah. they're all Americans or anything like that, but I really like the direction that both of them are headed in. Uh, but I will go with Gibbons been a really solid player who's been dealing with injuries and yep. you know it's well, been a- sorry to interrupt that was one th- more thing i wanted to say that i noticed um i went on gibbons twitter the other day and he was our unsung hero of the day and uh, which actually was cool we got shout out to the gibbons family literally everyone in the gibbons family like that tweet dylan and all three sisters and mom so thanks guys um but yeah he's he's in an nba program so I would think that lends towards him probably thinking at least about coming back next year, right? Because you figure that's probably a two-year program. Um, it's not like a one-year, you know, sports management thing. So anyway, I just that popped into my head the other uh, segment when when you mentioned Gibbons maybe coming back because to me that says hey, he's thinking two years down the road, but maybe he's in a one-year program. I don't know. Anyway, MVPs. Yeah. Um... That would be interesting, and I, I certainly don't know that for sure. I was just kind of throwing that out there myself as far as a availability for a second year. Um, so what do we – I gave you the two trenches, so what do you yep. want? Skill? Uh, yeah, just give me offensive and defensive overall. Yeah. So it's Corbin's hard. been absurd. I mean, Ward and Corbin have been uh, – oh, Sean squared or whatever you want to call them. Uh, they've just been amazing. I mean, 
Corbin is really solid, uh, strong. He got a lot of that explosiveness back that, you know, sometimes people respond to a, a pretty nasty leg injury in one year, and it still takes some guys two years. Doesn't mean that it's over. It just means that they need that extra year. And Corbin, certainly, you know, all the explosiveness that made him uh, an elite recruit. And Ward just has this ability to kind of um, – just kind of teleport 18 inches more, mostly to the right. Uh, he loves that kind of dead leg and uh, it, guys don't always totally miss, but normally they're just kind of falling off him as he runs by. He'll, he'll, he'll certainly drill a safety into the ground every once in a while and just leave him for dead. That's not what I'm saying, but he, uh, he makes guys miss in space or just kind of makes guys shed tackles kind of like work done. I'm certainly not comparing him to that, but like a small guy who, just never really gets teed up on. He's always uh, always able yep. to to avoid uh, the the real kill shot. I kind of stay away from the D free comparison because D free's lower body is built like few that are out there, and that's you know hard to make that comparison. But um, the two running backs have just been absurd, uh, a yep. real a real blessing uh, if you want to use such a, a term for football. Uh, defensive MVP certainly eleven. Uh, we'll say if you want like a newcomer or something like that. Uh, you, you know, Kalen Deloach is everything that kind of a lot of people thought he might be last year. Uh, he's yeah. turned into a, a really good player, and uh, it's Kalen Deloach, and then it's all the other linebackers, unfortunately. But Deloach is, is really turned into quite the ball player, so credit to him for that. Yeah, I just, you know, for me, defensively, it's I, – like I try to think of someone other than Jermaine Johnson, but he's just been – I mean, that kid, like – this doesn't happen to a ton of players these days, but it used to happen to a ton of players when we were great. I don't think, I don't know if people appreciate how freakishly good he is, right? Cause he looks amazing out there, but you're like, dude, this kid compared to what we've had on the end for what, since DeMarcus Walker left. Now you have yep. this guy getting in quarterback's face. It's like, where the hell did we find him? And sure enough, we found him backing up the starters at Georgia, which should scare yeah. the hell. Yeah, scare you. I mean, Burns would flash, but I feel like, you know, Jermaine's just so much more consistently involved yeah. in a game. Burns Burns would run by. I mean, shit, Burns is getting real big paychecks in the NFL based off his burst. It's super elite. Yep. Uh, but Jermaine is just so consistently involved throughout the game and, uh, you know, sets the edge well and has played himself into what really looks like he's got a – you know, better chance than not to be a first round pick. So uh, hats off to that kid. And he's certainly had to work for it. And it is a scary thought that kids are going and sitting in Kirby Smart's office and thinking, hey, I'm <laughs> I, right. coach. I think I need to transfer because I uh, may be a first round pick, but I'm getting like, you know, 30 percent of the snaps at, at defensive end. But that's uh, that's what they built over there. Well, and then I just, I, you know, honestly, for me, if I had to name it, I'd I'd say defensive MVP is one Jermaine Johnson but one a is kind of the rest of the d-line because I know I just spent a minute singing his praises on the other hand he almost overshadows these guys who you know this year we were coming into it going okay we we're pretty sure Jermaine Johnson's gonna be good but he's one guy what is the rest of the trench gonna look like you know we've had what four or five guys really step up between Lovett Thomas Cooper um, Fabian's, and uh, a, 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 I don't know if he's elite. I probably need to stop short of that, but he's a damn good defensive tackle. I mean, yeah. really good. Cooper's playing really well. Got to love big old, big old Coop's attitude about, 
you know, if I'm going to chase your ass 35 yards downfield, I'm going <laughs> to land on you. You better, you better believe that. Uh, I love Cooper, man. But uh, no, he's he's doing great stuff. Uh, the emergence of Malcolm Ray. I mean, you've got and then Briggs. I mean, Briggs was having a hell of a season and it's a, it's an absolute shame as to what happened to him. So, yeah, the interior, the defensive line, man. I mean, I know uh there's there's some in the fan base who are concerned about uh, finding somebody for Odell Haggins or uh yep. He, dude's a incredible incredibly good coach. Incredibly good coach. We need to need to enjoy him for as long as we have him uh for for reasons obvious and maybe not so obvious. Yeah, I mean, I I just think Odell is one of those where again we get this happens all the time at Florida State. We get spoiled. Like people start, well, we should get rid of Odell. We should do this. It's like, dude, it's defensive line is a tough position to recruit because it's not sexy. Like, yeah, you're right. You have your uh, and Burns it's a bad contest. I mean, for the elite ones, yeah. you get it's, it's as sought after a position as there is, and uh, yeah. you got to battle the SEC for everybody that's a mid four star and above. Uh, and that's real tough. They never run out of money, especially with this NIL dude. What is your take? This is a total just off topic thing, but what's your take now that we've seen four months of it on the NIL stuff? Is it playing out kind of how you thought it would, or just what do you think about it? Um, I think it's going to take a second, uh, but I think (laughs) – Depressingly, I think when like Texas A&M and Texas figure out how to do this, we're all going to be playing for second. Uh, I mean, I do think that when the, when some of these schools really figure out what to do. And now Florida State's, uh, you know, I'm familiar with some of their efforts, and um, you know, maybe there's a time in the future where we could talk more about that. But uh, yeah. Florida State's got to do what they have to do. They have to reach out to a broad swath of their fan base, and you know, have both boosters big and. And uh, reach out to the retail fan base. I mean, there's a reason why podcasts like mine and yours and the litany of other ones that are out there exist and are successful is because this has a gigantic fan base. I mean, this has a, a and if you're between the age of you know 25 and 45, then there's a decent chance that this was the program while you were growing up. And so, you know, they've got to lean on that and uh, just kind of weather the storm. I think Florida State in the long term is going to be in a good position. The school's uh very healthy, producing a lot of great graduates and a lot of them each year uh, from a number standpoint. I think the Calvary's coming. You just kind of kind of got to figure out a way to bridge the next 10 or 15 years and, uh, you know, make up for some of these strange demographics that you're still kind of working yourself out of. Yeah. And you got to get lucky. I mean, you got to get somebody yeah. that loves Florida State like, you know, your listeners do in, invent a cybersecurity company that sells for $3 billion or something. You know, I mean, you've got to find – You've just got to kind of play the numbers game until I'm somebody working on, gets on a it. big enough check to do all the things that are needed for the program. So. Yeah. Dude, I, I think about that all the time where it's like I can't be the only one, and there's got to be someone positioned to do it. Where it's like if I if I came into a fair amount of money, you know, I, I'd kick a decent amount of, you know, Florida State because we've already proven, like, they'll name stuff after us, right? <laughs> like, I mean, oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, they'll you put know, your name on things, certainly. We'll have the Max Moody bathrooms. Like I would just, I would do. This is why, like they don't. This is why the good Lord hasn't given me an absurd amount of money because He knows I wouldn't be responsible with it, and not in the sense of like Jordan Belfort irresponsibility, but in the sense of like they'd be like, "Oh, what do you want for three million dollars? You want a facility?" I'm like, no, 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 I want every bathroom. Yeah, just the Max Moody. Why? I'm like, because it's weird and it makes people talk. I don't know because that's that's what I do. Yeah. Um, but let's as we're sort of 
drawn to to a close. Um, let's look at the rivalry games because I, I think that's kind of Clemson is Clemson right now. And I, I think you and I probably think we have a better shot than most people are giving us credit for. But how critical do you think it is on the recruiting trail, especially to beat at least one of our rivals this year and stop the skid of going, what's the opposite of a, the state champion, right? Like we've been, we've mm-hmm. been the non-state champ or the state non-champion for what, three years now. So how, how critical do you think it is that we do that this year? Um, I think it's important, maybe not vital. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it would be a significant step forward to beat Miami. Uh, and putting into that probably a year earlier than most thought you had a chance to do. Uh, and like I said earlier, you know, really, really stamp that in their mind that they had their little window of opportunity. They had their five-year run and they did nothing with it because they're a nothing program in 2021. Um, and, you know, see that recruiting class. Well, I was going to say fully, fully dissolved, but I think when you're, you know, ranked 61st in the country or whatever you are, that there's probably not all that much to fall apart, but, uh, you know, knock that out, sign some of these kids that you have a chance. If you can grab Wesley Besaint, uh, that would be a big step and, uh, and really let Miami know what's going on at the same time. So that's the game that I think you've got a real chance. Florida's a, I was saying this even in the year uh, previews on the Nolcast. Florida's a strange program, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, really dysfunctional. Big boosters don't love Bunlin at all. People at the university aren't wild about him. Uh, it's just a strange, you know, anybody's I'm not trying to take your podcast in the gutter, but anybody whose wife gives before. Eskimo kisses or whatever the whole football program or the whole team before the game is just it's not a, Eskimo kisses. It's real, full blown. <laughs> she is she is smooching. I mean, I she's. It's just a like, really strange look. That's a really strange look to see a football team line up and rub noses with a coach's wife. I, I, whatever, whatever, man. Um, so. He's I think so uh, painfully unlikable is the hard no, part. He just, like, and he's so over the top, obnoxious, and and uh, you know, kind of unauthentically goofy at times. And uh, I don't know, it's a strange, strange place. So I think you got a decent chance of beating Miami, Florida roster wise. You don't match up well with it all, but if you you know if you find a team that's kind of stumbling into it after playing Georgia, getting slapped around, and uh, you know. South Carolina, Sanford, Missouri is what I, I could see that team, you know, sleepwalking, uh, really kind of having a year that's over with, and we'll have to see what comes of it. So, um, Clemson, I mean, I, I, I just have this feeling that Clemson, um, you've got a better chance than ever, but I also feel like Clemson may be like a get right game for them at the same yeah. time. Um, but I, I think you got a real legitimate chance to beat Miami and then. You know, maybe you get – maybe the moon shines right and you end up beating Florida in some kind of strange situation as well. Yeah, I mean, if you could if, – if you beat both of them, that's – we're having a very different conversation in three months if that happens. That's um, – I almost if, – if I knew I had the bird in the hand and we were going to beat Florida, I'm not sure if I'd want us to beat Miami just because I'd, I'd want Manny Diaz to stay there forever. If, if you could keep, keep Manny, Miami, I'd be open to seeing whatever right. was needed. Yeah. It, I, I, mean, like, I hate Miami more than Florida, and it would kill me a little, but knowing like if he got a five year extension after that win, but I think his time's coming to an end. So the only thing that would be the savior uh of losing to them, man, you're right. If I knew you could grab Florida, then 
is that it, it would be great to yeah. watch all their YouTube and stuff, all their fan base be like, I can't believe that I'm this depressed and uh, bummed out about beating Florida State because I, yeah. I know what it means. Uh, we're gonna have this. We're gonna have this guy running around, not recruiting, not doing anything. Uh, he's gonna be our head coach for another year or two. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's a weird situation, man. That is, but I don't want to talk about Manny Diaz. We're gonna end on a positive note. We are going to do the Ingram Smith Most Improved Award. Can you give me a unit and then give me a player that most improves? Kind of a weird, like which unit and which player have either come out of nowhere or exceeded your expectations the most. Well, I, give me someone that was on the roster, too, because it's like, you know, the transfers, they all kind of came out of nowhere, like someone that's really surprised you. Yeah. Uh, Deloach has um, okay. certainly. I know that was the answer I gave previously. Uh, I will say that uh, I had pretty much written off uh Jerry and Jones. I mean, I was surprised mm-hmm. to see the the game that he had against UNC. Good for that kid. Not just the interception uh, in general. Also, when I was at the um, Maryland game, that guy, that kid looked like he had a catcher's mitt taped to his hand uh, on his right hand. So I wasn't sure. I didn't think he would be back a week later. I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. So he's, uh, you know, he's doing better and continues to work and good for him. Um, I'll be – Really excited to see what 26 bloom, blossoms into eventually. I mean, I think that is a really, uh, you know, I I don't know that he has like true world-class speed, but I think Knowles could be an incredibly good college cornerback. Uh, so yeah. that's uh, that's another one of the new ones. And I'm uh, long-term think that that could be a like that. lot of fun to see what that kid projects as. Yeah, Sidney Williams has saved his mind. It just he's one of those kids, you know, it maybe it's the dreads coming out of the bottom of the helmet, but you just see him like I just you kind of notice you're like, man, I'm seeing that kid hit a lot of people, you know, and he's really if he if he can hit you, he tackles, thumps. You know? He definitely yeah. thumps. He'll, not, uh, not who you put in a cover one, you know, late in the game. <laughs> no, not who you want in a cover one. You don't want him and you don't you know, again, it's a it's a fifty fifty proposition. If he's if he's yeah. attacking the ball carrier He's either going to thump or he's probably just going to miss. Uh, but, <laughs> no, he's he's been exciting to watch develop, certainly. Yeah, man. So, hey, man, we appreciate you swinging by. We love having you on the program. Guys, if you haven't listened to the Nolcast, I don't think you'd listen to us if you haven't listened to the Nolcast. But make sure you go check out the Nolcast at Ingram Smith. He is Ingram Smith. I'm Max. And this was Locked on Seminoles.